December 24th, I think everybody knows this is not the actual day Jesus was born. Nobody knows it exactly, but this is the time that we celebrate it. This is the time that we, we look to him and, and we're thankful for God sending his only son into the world. Had he not done that, then there would be no hope. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. It's not going to be a long service, but we do want to focus we're going to do a candlelight part. We do have communion. So if you haven't gotten communion, JR is right back there. Make sure you grab one. And uh, if you don't have a candle, make sure you got one with a container on it because we don't want wax everywhere. Uh, just a couple of upfront things. Uh, tomorrow we have service online only. It will be released at 1030. It's short and sweet, but you're still going to get worship. You're going to get a short message, and uh, we just want to make sure that everybody, uh, everybody's got crazy schedules. Am I right? That's tomorrow. Uh, if you do want to give, you can still do that online. You can give on the box, and I'm not sure if there's any other quick announcements that I'm making, but that's it. So uh, I do want to talk about Jesus coming as the light. That's really what the whole focus is on a candlelight service and if you've been here the last several weeks that's been what we've been talking about is jesus is the light of the world that's the focus and we recognize that and like i said in a bit we'll do the lighting of the candles but it symbolizes that we he is the light but then he passes that to us then we become the light right we're the ones that light to those that are around you your family members how many of you know you may be the only light in your family you know, you may only have two or three other family members, but I want to encourage you, be that light. Shine Jesus when you're in that situation. Friends, coworkers, you may be at a job where you're the only light. And, and I know what that was like. Years ago when I was in the military, I was the only Christian in my platoon. And uh, nobody else, they thought something was wrong with me because I didn't go to the drinking parties and do all the stuff. Uh, but I'll tell you, I tried to my best to shine the light. And in my three and a half year station in I know Hawaii, it was rough. Somebody's got to do the duty there. But while we were there in that three and a half years, just about every individual that was in my platoon came to me at a crisis time in their life asking me for prayer. And uh, they may have mocked me publicly for not doing what they did. But you know what? You shine that light and God is going to give you those opportunities. You may be the only light in your neighbors, uh, your community, your neighborhood, whatever it is. We are there to shine the light. And as you guys have anybody, is this the first time you've seen the drive-through with the lights on at night? Maybe some of you. I want to encourage you after it's over, go through it because you get to hear the Christmas story. And this is the way, one way that as Freedom Church, we want to be a light to our community. And, and I wanted to share one of the testimonies that somebody posted on Facebook concerning our drive through A lady by the name of Rebecca wrote, my family went through, thanks so much. And someone, and not my daughter, Rebecca, 
Uh, somebody asked her, was it good? And I love her response. She goes, it's not even close to a Bayside big budget display, Bayside in Sacramento. It was pretty short and sweet. The most important thing to me was that my 11-year-old and my 13-year-old actually paid attention to the message, the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. That's why we do it. We're not trying to outshine somebody else. We just want to shine the light that, that God has given us the best that we can. And to me, that was a success. Somebody, two uh, preteens, I guess you would call it, were able to hear the message and they actually listened. You know, how many of you remember with boys that age? That was, that's a big deal, right? And uh, listen, this is one way we're being a light to our community. Like I said, Matthew, Jesus said this, you are the light to the world. Have somebody point to someone next to you and say, you. You are the light of the world. And he says in verse 16, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So when you're shining that light of Christ in you, it causes people to focus on Jesus. Like they may think, wow, you're such an amazing person, but they realize there's something else going on. And it can be manifested by doing good deeds. Somebody breaks down and you stop and help them. Uh, they may be going through a tough time. You give them a call or a hug. I, I believe those are actions that we can do that shine Jesus. Uh, I think we have to have the fruit of the Spirit in us, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, all of that needs to be there. But tonight I want to look at something that maybe you haven't necessarily seen as being a light that would cause others to praise God in heaven. Uh, it's something that the wise men did, and it really stands out. I'm going to summarize their story because most of you guys have heard that. If you haven't, it's in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, but it says there were wise men, and we don't know how many. I know traditionally, how many do we think there are? Right, because we've seen the three wise men with three camels, and they had three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We have no idea how many there were. There could have been five. There could have been ten. There could have been twenty. All we know is that there was more than one because it said wise men, right, not a wise man. And it says that they brought gift. And in Matthew 2.11, it says that they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense, frankincense, and myrrh. And uh, that word treasure there literally is a treasure box. So it's not like they brought him a gold coin and said, here you go, kid. Right? No, it was an actual treasure. They opened it up and gave them something that was of great value, something that was of, of importance to them. And let me just kind of let you realize, back in those days, and I would say even today as well, you don't travel thousands of miles with that kind of money, treasure, all by yourself. Because how many of you know there's uh, thieves, there's raiders, there's bandits on the side of the road that will more than... If they saw three uh, wise men with camels, they were like, hmm, what can we get for them? So they say most likely there was up to 50 people with uh, armed guards, with servants that were traveling with them. So that's quite an entourage that is making its way in there. And they made this uh, trip, and it took them some time to do it. They, uh, many believe that these men came from Babylon area, that they had heard some of the prophecies from Daniel several hundred years earlier. And, you know, God did some mighty things in Babylon, if you read the Old Testament, with Daniel, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And many people turned to the Lord in that day, so these prophecies were floating around. And Daniel actually gives a prophetic word that gives a timeline for when the Messiah is going to come. I want to just re reference it real quick. Daniel 9.25 we're not going to do the math to figure it out, but 
uh, he says this, Now listen and understand, seven sets, of se- seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time this command is given to the rebuilding of Jerusalem until a ruler, and it says the anointed one, capital letters, talking about some kind of special anointed ruler will come. Jerusalem will be rebuilt, and the streets will be strong, uh, defense, despite the perilous times. So they knew that that time was coming close, and they didn't know what that was going to entail. These men were astrologers. They knew the night sky, and all of a sudden there's a star that appears, and it's like, that is not normal. My, uh, my son, Joshua, teaches astronomy at uh, some of the colleges, and uh, just having a bright star all of a sudden is not normal, am I right? It doesn't typically happen unless some kind of explosion. So they knew something had to be significant about that. And so they assumed maybe that's an indication because it was, to them, it would have been in the West, maybe that's the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. And so they set out on this track. It could have been up to a two-year traveling for them to get there. And they came and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus, or maybe toddler Jesus, And it says this in verse 11 and 12, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. And it says they bowed down and worshiped him. So this was a, this was not like, just like mediocre worship. Listen, I'm not that uh, extroverted. I'm kind of introverted. So I'll just give you kind of this kind of worship. No, this word literally means to lie prostrate down on the ground. These wealthy Rich men that have traveled are now laying on the floor, possibly in the dirt. We don't really know what, where that was at. Before this small child, just a little child, that from outward appearances couldn't do anything for them. There's nothing that he had. It was like he was a, chi- a child at that point. But they, they didn't give to him and worship him because of what he looked like. They worshiped him because of who they believed this child to be. This is the newborn king. This is the anointed one that we've heard about for so many years. And this act of worship, I believe, was an example back then because I'm picturing this group of maybe 30, 40, 50 people. Do you think the wise men were the only ones that bowed down? I bet all of them, servants and all, were bowing down because they found this king that was there. What an act of worship. What an amazing act. And here we are 2,000 years later still talking about these people, these 350, however many men there were, their act of worship. It made a difference, didn't it? It made a difference to Mary. And uh, a lot of things we don't know about the wise men. We don't really know exactly where they came from, and we don't know what happened to them afterwards. Last that we heard, they went back home another route, and that's it. So we don't know how many there were. Uh, We don't know a whole lot, but what we do know is that they worshiped. They worshiped. And I want to say this to you today, that one of the ways that we let our light shine is to live a life of worship to God. A lot of times we think, oh, what act can I do? What service can I do? All of those are good. But I want to tell you, the biggest thing is how do I live a life of worship to him? And what, here's the thing. The things that we worship, value, and cherish, how many of you know that speaks to other people? All right? If you know somebody, and listen, I don't mean to mess with anybody, but if you're like, you know, I like sports, and I'm sorry I have to slip this in there, but the Cowboys did win a few minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> 
But you know what? Here's the thing. If they didn't win, the only thing I would have been bummed about is that Barbara would have given me a hard time. So, uh, it's a Christmas miracle. Christmas miracle that happened, yes. But here's the thing. I don't live and die, uh, and I know Barbara doesn't either. It's just fun, right? It's not, but how many of you have met some people that is all for them? If their team doesn't win, they're in a bad mood till the next time they do. And let me tell you, if that was my case, then I'd been mad all the, for, I don't know, 15, 20 years or whatever. Sports is okay, but if it better not be number one in your life. You may have a, a car you really cherish or some other kind of material thing. Nothing wrong with liking some things that you have. But is that number one in your life? Some people really, oh, my appearance. My appearance is everything. I, I got to get my clothes, my hair, get my Botox in, right? And uh, that's so important. I can't let anybody see me like this. And it's like, you know what? You see me, you see me. If you guys come in here on the weekday, sometimes you see fresh out of the gym, sweaty, looking uh, messy, whatever. Your job, your hobby. Here's the thing. I'm not saying any of those things. You can't have those interests. But what I am saying, what is the most important thing in your life? What is the most? Because I believe that we are defined by the thing that we worship. Whatever it is, oh, that guy's this, that guy's that. That becomes our identity. And I believe that those that worship Jesus draw attention to Jesus. Those that live a life of worship to him will cause other people to begin to follow after Christ. And I have experienced this myself. If I can give you my quick testimony, when I was 16 years old, first going to this Assembly of God church in Midland, Texas, West Texas, tumbleweeds and all, uh, first of all, when I went, my motives were not pure. I went because there was some girl I wanted to date, so that's what got me to church. And, uh, and I still remember being in the service. It was a pretty And I see people with their hands up. I see people with tears coming out of their eyes. And, I mean, that was kind of weird. Let me just tell you, I was like, what is going on here? But the more I was coming, they're clapping, they're shouting, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And, and all of that eventually started getting a hold of my heart because of their worship. Their worship made me think, listen, if they know that God, uh, God that personal, I want that. It started a hunger journey in me to know God the way that I was seeing other people worship. And you may not realize that your worship is actually a drawing other people to Jesus, but it really does. If I would have walked into that church and, you know, it would have been like, oh, how great thou art, how great thou art. You know, I, I would not have been attracted to that. How many of you are attracted to that? There's something about genuine, pure worship to God that is an attraction to other people. Not faking it, not like, you know what, I'm going to get exuberant because that's what you're supposed to do. No, you get exuberant because you're in love with God, right? You're in love with Jesus. So again, it was very weird, but they started me on that journey to where I wanted to know God. And even though I came in with wrong motives, other people's worship was one of the factors that I'm serving God today. Amen? So let me just take a minute. Some people say, well, I'm a worshiper. I'm just not an extrovert. Uh, And I'm not here to tell you how to worship. But I want to say that if I went into that church and everybody was an introverted worshiper, I probably would not have been uh, serving God today. Worship is something that's really extravagant. Worship is something that, that, that draws people. And the wise men were an example of that. Their worship, listen, their worship cost them a lot. 
We just read, oh, they, they made the journey, they came, and they're there, and they worship, and they left. No, they were probably at least a, a, a round trip from the time they left till the time they got back was anywhere from a two- to a four-year journey. How many of you know you're, that's a cost right there? Are you going to commit to that, traveling two to four years? Uh, the treasure chest, like I said, it wasn't just a token coin. Here you go. Here's some little incense. You know, you can burn it. Here's some myrrh you can put on you. Uh, no, it was a cost. It cost them a lot. And listen, if dignity was an issue, you realize sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know what other people are watching me. They didn't care who was watching me. They found the baby Jesus, the anointed one, and they laid out prostrate. They didn't care who was looking. It, you know, you're never going to worship extravagantly if you're too concerned about who's watching you. Am I right? If we, it's, you're going to have to get past that. And, and the thing that amazes me is that the religious leaders of that day, the priests, the Pharisees, the scribe, they heard the stories of the wise men saying, where is the one born king? You know, Where is this Messiah? So the rumor was swirling over there but not the scripture doesn't record one person traveling the five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to find out. Not one of them made that like, huh, I wonder if this is true. Well, it's only like a, a few hour walk to get over there. These men spent two to four years to go find that. How sad that when we can be so religious that we miss Jesus. Am I right? They were a great example. Uh, another couple of examples that sometimes people confuse as the same incident, but I'm going to uh, just show you real quick. The woman that poured out perfume on Jesus' feet out of Mark chapter 14. And let me just say, she went to the home. The scripture identifies him as Simon the leper. And this was late in Jesus' ministry, just before uh, Judas uh, betrayed Jesus. But it says this, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar, poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Do you realize that sometimes when you pour out everything to God, it causes other people to be indignant. Wow, they're just showing out. What are they doing? Indignant at that. And it says, uh, they asked, this could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Don't let anyone ever scold you for your worship. Amen? Don't ever, even if they do, you worship anyway. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of its time. I tell you the truth, whenever this good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed, let me just say, this woman's worship, this woman's worship will be remembered and discussed. So there was another woman, and this is a, another Simon, but this is Simon a Pharisee, not Simon the leper. This one was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry where she came in. In uh, Luke 7, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought another beautiful alabaster jar. So Jesus was anointed at the beginning and at the end of his ministry. And in that uh, anointing, I believe it was, a, it was a form of worship by both of these women. And it says, she knelt behind him uh, at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet, 
putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees had invited him, saw this, they said to themselves, if this man was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answers with a little parable, like who had the greater debt, who would love more? And uh, they said, well, obviously the one with the greater debt. She loved more. Here's the reality. How many of you know we all have a big debt? Sometimes we can look at somebody whose life is so messed up and you're like, oh, well, thank God I'm not that messed up. Yeah, exactly. How many of you know we're all messed up without him? And it looks differently in every life. And the reality, without Christ, we're all lost. And so we all have the same debt. Maybe sometimes we need to realize what kind of debt I really have. Because I think that would make us more of a worshiper if it did. If you're like, ah, God forgave me of a couple of things. I w- I'm basically a good person. No, we're rotten to the core. So uh, <laughs> without Christ, amen? So here's the thing. All three of those, and I could have pulled in more, but I didn't want to keep you here all night. Uh, extravagant worship. It was extravagant that caused people to notice, that caused people to look to God. And I believe that that's true for us. Your extravagant worship is one of the ways that you let your light shine. That other people are going to look and like, whatever it is that they have, you may never know if a 16-year-old boy comes in here and sees you worshiping and thinks, wow, what kind of connection do they have to God? I want that kind of connection. I want that. Because that was me. You have no idea what your worship. Maybe out in the work, maybe you have integrity in a place where everybody else is cutting corners. You're doing it. That's a form of worship when you choose to obey Christ rather than your flesh. Amen? So it needs to be that. I want to close with this from King David when he was going to make a sacrifice for one of his big mistakes. And, uh, and he got to this field, and this man was going to he said, take the field, take my oxen, break off the cart. You can do it. You can sacrifice for free. And King David says, he goes, he replies, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Worship is going to cost you. It's going to, you know, if you're worried about your dignity... I remember years ago, we had a guy that worked air conditioning. He came from a tradition where they don't ever raise their hand. And uh, he had worked on our air conditioning. And one Sunday, he had his hand up, and his wife was so excited. (laughs) She's like, he's finally starting to break free and get to worship. And he saw that. He's like, I was just checking the air vents. (laughs) I don't know if that was true or not, if that was what he was doing. But I'm saying, you know what? It's going to cost you. You're going to have to say, you know what? I'm not worried about my dignity. I'm not worried about what it's going to cost me. If I'm going to shine this light of Christ, then I've got to be all in. Amen? I've got to be all in. If that means raising a hand in worship that I've never done, if that means shouting a hallelujah, if that means kneeling before God or laying prostrate, uh, it's not a show. Listen, if you're doing that as a show, God knows you know. But if you're doing it as you're pouring out, just like that woman breaking open that alabaster box, say, God, I just want to pour everything I got into you. That's what we do. So, so tonight we're going to uh, do the uh, lighting of the candle. So does everybody have theirs? Amen. And I love what the scripture says, and you guys have heard me if you've been coming the last several weeks. 
Darkness has tried to extinguish the light, but how many of you know it's never been able to do so? The darkness never gets to win. And I know sometimes we live in a very dark world. Whose grandkids are those? <laughs> I know we live in a very dark world, but I want to tell you, I don't care how dark it gets, the light of Jesus will always shine forth. Amen. Amen. Uh, I said this, I think, last week, that the church is not on the verge of closing. Many cultures have tried to extinguish this light, uh, but it continues to shine. And listen, if the Lord tarries for another 2,000 years, guess what? The church is still going to be here. Amen? Amen. So uh, as we uh, turn the lights down, and uh, you guys can begin to sing, and we're going to light. And this is just symbolic of the lights that we have that are spreading.
That's our prayer. Burn us like a fire to the nations, to our cities, to our counties, to our, to our work, to our families, Lord. Use us to be the light in a dark and desperate world. So, Lord, tonight as we hold these candles, these tangible candles, Lord, we remember that the fire of God is in us. It is Jesus in us that shines bright. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're, I'm going to ask you to blow out your candle so you don't get burned. And then we're going to continue worshiping. But if you want to have a seat for a moment and get your communion, we're going to take that together. The scripture says in Philippians 2, it says, Let each of us, each of you, look not only at his own interest, but also at the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus, 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God the thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. Being found in the human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him, and he's bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in earth, in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess. Who knows this? What will it we confess? Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As you have your communion, if make sure you let's get the wafer. This we are uh, we're open, have, this is a church where we have open communion, meaning you don't have to be a member to partake in communion. You just have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said this with his disciples. He said, every time you take this, remember me. And he took the bread, which was symbolic of his body being broken, broken on a cross. And he said, and as he broke it, remember me take it. So let's do that together. Let's take the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Right where you are, can you just thank him for the broken body? Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. Lord, it's, it's because of that we're healed. We can have healing because of the stripes broke that broke through the flesh. Because of your broken body, there's redemption, God. We thank you for that. Take the juice, if you will. This represents the blood of Christ. Poured out and spilled. Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So today, as you're holding this, this isn't the literal blood, but it's for us to remember the great price. The price that I read about in Philippians, that he was obedient, even all the way to death on the cross. Painful death. He did that for you. He did that for me. Can we thank him together? Let's take it. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the reason that we live, that we move, that we have our being. It's all in you. It's all in you. Christmas is all about you, Lord. Forgive us when we made it about other things. It was just about you. So, Lord, what this, this evening we turn our eyes back to heaven. Just say, Lord, it's all about you. Come on, let's worship him. Just a few more moments together.
Father, this night belongs to you, Lord, as every night. And Father, I pray that as we go with this service, let us remember to shine our light brightly for you. You know, I was sitting there thinking, especially as the kids were up here, one of the ways that you let your light shine is that your kids, your grandkids will see you worship. And, and I was just, I grabbed him for a reason because I remember holding Joshua, that's my son back there on the drums, when he was this size. And I just remember numerous times I'm sitting there worshiping the Lord, and he would have his hand up. Here, Levi, lift your hand up. And he'd be worshiping the Lord as well. And that's just a matter of letting your light shine even to your own family. When you have opportunity, let them see you worship. Let them see you worship because they will follow after that. Amen? They already follow the bad things. Let's give them some good things to follow. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just thank you for this time. Lord, I pray a blessing over each one. And Lord, I know everybody's got different things. Lord, some people are here today that, that things aren't going so great. But Lord, we don't rejoice in you because of the things that are happening in our life. Lord, we thank you and we rejoice because of what happened that 2,000 years ago. Lord, that you brought hope and you brought light into a dark world. And Father, that you promise, Lord, even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death, even as we're going through difficulties and challenges in life, Lord God, you promised that you would not leave us. Lord, that you would take us all the way to the other side. And so, Lord, we stand in that and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray your blessing over each one that's here, those are watching online, those that have a household of people right now and didn't make it. But Lord, we just pray that people would find you this year. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys and thank you for coming.